passage this morning is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of God. You can be seated. Well, if you guys have been with us for the entirety of this Ephesians study, you may be noticing the change that's happened in the letter. Just a few weeks ago, we were talking about these big theological sweeping ideas. We were saying things, Paul was praying things like, I, I want for you to know how high and wide and, and deep the love of Christ is. But now the letter's getting a lot more practical, maybe too practical, right? If you've been here with us the last couple of weeks when we talked about the role of husbands and wives and God's desire for our ma marriages, maybe you're thinking, this is getting a little too practical. My friend used to say when, when sermons would cut too close to home, he, he'd say, you know, pastor, at some point you, you stopped preaching and you started meddling, right? There's been a little bit of meddling these last few weeks as we've gone through these texts. But I want you to know that the shift that's happened is not a change in subject. It all makes sense if you've been following along with the flow of the letter Paul's writing. You remember when we started out, chapter 1, he told us the theme. The point of this letter is that God has revealed in history this mystery we didn't know. He's shown us his plan for all ages, and that plan is that he's going to unite all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. His mystery is that God is building this one big multi-generational, multi-national, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-everything family, and he's putting that under Christ. And so in our letter now, what he's doing is he's taking that big idea and he's breaking it down. He's showing us how that family is supposed to work, how it's all supposed to function. So last week we talked about marriage. And today we're looking at the household, God's intention for the relationship between children and their parents. And before like 90% of you zone out because this isn't what you had in mind this morning. It's not something that's pressing on you. Let me encourage you to stick with me. This passage, really what shines forth here is God's love for you as a heavenly father. This passage is a beautiful reminder to all of us that we have this amazing, mighty, big, powerful God who is sustaining the entire world at this very moment. And yet he also says, let the little children come to me. And so I hope as we look at this passage, as we consider God's love for even the smallest among us, you might be able to see his love and his care for you just a little bit more clearly today. 
So we're going to break this thing down in three parts. We're going to see first what God says to us in our role as children, what God says to us in our role as children. Secondly, what God says to us in our role as parents. And then finally, how the heavenly father leads his family. All right, so what does God say to us in our role as children? The passage starts off, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life here on earth. When I was studying this passage this week, the most helpful comment I read was from John Stott. Maybe you know him. He was a really famous British pastor in the previous century. Um, and he helpfully pointed out that when Paul's telling children to obey their parents, he doesn't just give one reason for it, but he gives three reasons in these verses. The first reason he gives is you should obey your parents because it's common sense. He says, this is right. In the book of Romans, you might remember reading that God has written his law on the hearts of the whole world. And so to some degree, every person on earth instinctively knows parts of God's moral law. That's why we don't need anybody to tell us that murder is wrong, for instance. We don't need anybody to tell us that it's wrong to steal or to lie. We instinctively know that. And that is the case with the fifth commandment as well, the commandment to honor your father and mother. We know this instinctively. And I say that because you can travel the whole world, you can go anywhere on earth, and no matter where you end up, you will find that there is an expectation children are going to live in submission to their parents, right? There's no culture out there where toddlers are the one telling their mothers what chores to do, where they're setting the curfews and managing the household. There's no place on earth where a father needs to ask his eight-year-old son if he can use the car today. That's not the way it works. There is a basic shape to the world. God has made the world such that parents naturally become the ones who care for their kids from the time they're born until they grow up and can take care of themselves. And so Paul, first, he appeals to that natural law. He says, look around, kids. It's obvious that you should obey your parents. This is right. That's the first very simple argument. But the second argument he makes is a little more weighty. He gives an instruction from the law of God. We talked about it a few weeks ago when we studied the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life here on earth. So the second reason that children should obey their parents is because God says you should. And he promises that if we do honor our parents, then things will go well for us. Things will go well for us, not just as individuals, but as an entire society. We will benefit if children live in submission to their parents. So practically speaking, what does that mean? How do you do that? Kids, what does it mean for you to honor your parents? 
All right, so you guys, I just mentioned, I preached on this not too long ago, back in February. I went through this commandment backwards and forwards and upside down, and we can't get into all of those things today, so I just refer you back if you want more information. Um, But really quick, let me just go over some basics for what it means to honor your father and mother. It means, first, that when you are young children living in your parents' household, you should treat your parents with respect and you should treat them with obedience. Okay, so kids, kids, you paying attention up here? Where are all the kids? We got a few of them, right? Kids, look at me. I'm talking to you. This is your part of the sermon. Your parents love you. Your parents care for you. And as they love and care for you, and even as they discipline you, it's supposed to help you understand God's love and care for you. And so that means sometimes your parents are going to tell you things, they're going to tell you to do things that you don't want to do, right? Do your parents ever tell you things you don't want to do? They make you do chores, right? Your parents are going to do things like that. They're going to make you to go to school. They're not going to let you download TikTok, even though all your friends have it. <laughs> They're not going to let you eat all your Halloween candy on that first night. And sometimes they're going to tell you you have to come home earlier than you want to. But I want you to know that those kinds of boundaries that your parents are setting, they are given out of love. They are given to protect you from harm and hopefully to help you grow into a healthy adult who loves God. And you know what else? When your parents do that stuff, they're actually helping prepare you to follow the Lord. Because God, he gives us boundaries too, right? He sometimes, he tells us that we can't do some of the things that we want to do. But as we listen to God, as we follow him, we start to find out that his laws are given out of love. His laws are given to help us all grow into the kind of people that we were meant to be and to live these joyful lives that we can only live when we follow him. And here's another piece of this, kids. This is actually kind of scary, right? Because our parents are meant to show us God's authority, are meant to train us in following the Lord, God actually considers it a really big deal when we don't obey our parents. Later on in the Bible, there's this list of what's going to happen when things get really bad in the end times. And listen to some of the things that he says are going to happen. Kids, you listening to this list? Listen up. He says, mark this, there's going to be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Did you hear that? disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, and it goes on and on and on. The point is this, it's important to honor your parents. Our heart towards our parents is actually deeply connected to our heart towards God. So you should honor your father and mother. Now I want to really quickly also mention uh, the adults here, the adult children, right? Because I know that's what a lot of us are. As you grow up, the specifics of this relationship is going to change. When you are on your own, 
Of course, you're not obligated to obey your parents in the same way that you were as kids. Parents don't have the same kind of control over our actions. We are supposed to go and become independent. We don't have to defer to them on all of our life choices. However, we're never freed from this commandment. We're never freed from the command to honor them. Exactly what that means for you, that's going to take discernment as adults. We have different kinds of parents, different relationships with them. But here, Paul just wants to remind us that we must honor our parents as adults because it's common sense and because he commands it. And then he also gives us a third reason here. He says that we need to honor our parents because they are accountable to Jesus. Did you pick up on that in the first verse we read? He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. That means that when we obey our parents, we are doing it knowing that they are, we are under the authority of Jesus, and so are they. Now, this is a really quick one. I'm not going to take long on this, but I want you to hear this. This is really important because this is a safeguard. This is a reminder that there is always a higher authority than our parents. Jesus is overall. Jesus is in all, and we are never commanded. Kids, listen to this. We are never commanded to do anything that would violate his commandments. Do you understand what I mean, kids? That means that in the case of abuse or evil, you're not commanded to obey your parents if they're asking you to do something that is obviously wrong. We can And we should actually expose that stuff. We should talk to other adults about that stuff because Jesus is the one who's in charge, finally. Jesus has authority even over your parents. And sometimes the way that we have to honor our parents is to help them be held accountable before the Lord. Okay, so those are the instructions for kids. Paul says that we need to remember that our parents are given to us by God. And that we should honor them because it's right, because he commands it, and because they too, they're under the authority of Jesus, just like everyone else. So there we go. Now let's talk about God's instruction to us as parents. Okay, before we get into the parents thing, I'm just going to acknowledge all of us are kids, right? All of us are somebody's kids, but I know not all of us are someone's parents, Uh, certainly not all of us who have kids have young kids at home anymore. Uh, We're at different stages in this. I see you out there. I want to acknowledge you. But I also want to remind you that this letter we're reading out of Scripture was meant to be read to a church just like ours. The audience that was expected was a mixed crowd with people at all different stages of life. And that means no matter who you are, there's something for you in this next verse. We are a covenant community, right? We have families join this church, and sometimes they join with kids. And you remember what happens when they join with their children or when we baptize their children? What do we do? We make a promise. And we promise that we're going to help those parents to teach those kids and show them Jesus with our lives, right? 
So that means even if young people may not be a part of your home right now, you've got a role to play here. You have a role to play showing Jesus to our kids. And look, I'm just going to, I'm going to be honest here, Center Church. I'm going to address you on this one. We aren't doing a whole lot for young kids. I know we've had a couple of nice outreaches lately, and I'm not trying to diminish those in any way. But when I think about what we are doing to train up and nurture young kids in this church, and I compare it to this long menu of opportunities and events and services and Bible studies and things that we have for adults, it's kind of pitiful what we're doing. We need to take this seriously. I'm not saying that to to shame you, but I really do want to challenge you. We need men and we need women who will rise up and take this command seriously. Regardless of whatever your life stage is or, or your status, our kids need you. You have a role to play in raising up these children to know Jesus. And so I'd love for you to pray about that and ask the Lord how you might be called to serve these kids. But let's keep going because this verse is specifically directed to parents. It says in verse four, it's pretty simple, just one verse. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so this is addressed to fathers, but that's Paul's habit. He's speaking to the heads of households. This obviously is a command that applies to mothers just as well, right? This is a command for parents. He says, do not exasperate your children. So what does that mean? Well, Melissa likes to quote this verse in our home when I'm telling too many dad jokes, right? She's like, don't exasperate your children. Usually it works. It gets me to shut up, <laughs> to stop, stop telling bad jokes. But that's not really what Paul has in mind. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you can exasperate a child. Just truth, children are fragile, right? If you think about your own childhood, you recognize that there are certain wounds that our parents dealt to us that we're going to carry with us for the rest of our lives. We have to be careful is what this means. When we are raising our kids, we have to be careful that we are not overly harsh with them, that we are not unfairly domineering over them, that we don't use shame to punish them or we don't try to embarrass them in order to motivate the right behavior. What this verse recognizes is, as parents, we have this incredible amount of power because of our intimate knowledge of our children. When I think about my own kids, it's, it's a fact that I know with each one of them, their most sensitive places. I know the, the places where they are insecure, where they fear. And that means that I have been entrusted with a frightening ability to damage them and harm them. And so knowing this, Paul then positively says, instead of exasperating our children, we need to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. He says, bring them up. 
Everybody say that. Say, bring them up. That's a good word. That Greek word, it, it means nourish. Now, Melissa and I, we've started to learn a little bit about, now that we're back in the south, we're back in this heat, we started to learn something about trying to grow plants in our, in our yards, especially trying to take care of, of potted plants in our yards. And we have learned a little bit the hard way <laughs> that if you buy a potted plant and you want it to live, if you want it to thrive, it needs to be nourished, right? It has to be watered. It needs sunlight, but it also needs shade sometimes. It needs soil. It needs constant tending if it's going to thrive. And if it doesn't, then if you don't take care of it regularly, it's going to wilt and it might die. We have learned that you can't just go buy a nice potted plant and plop it out in your backyard in the 97 degree heat that we have and expect anything other than it to, to fall apart. Well, our kids, they need to be nourished too. Our kids, they need direction. They need discipline from their parents. But they also need positive affirmation. They need you to affirm the gifts that you see in them and, and uplift those beautiful things that you see in their character. I had a teacher who used to say, you know, you need 10 attaboys for every you jerk. Have you heard that before? I think that's not bad. That's a pretty decent rule. But it goes a little further than that, a little bit deeper than that, because I just said we know our children's insecurities. We know their, their weaknesses, and that means as parents, we are uniquely called to build them up in those places where they feel weak. We are uniquely able to go out of our way and nourish their souls. We can teach our kids, especially when they're young, that when they're feeling those areas of insecurity, that they can take their eyes off of themselves and put their eyes on Jesus. We can teach them that Jesus is strong in the places where we feel weak. And I think that's a radical idea for a lot of parents today. But it's extremely radical when you think about who Paul wrote this letter to. Think about the original audience that was supposed to get this. What were the families like? Back then, fathers had a lot of power. Back in those days, it was a patriarchal society. Dads called the shots. They had the final say. They could do pretty much whatever they wanted. And here, Paul comes in with this commandment that's so countercultural. He says to those fathers, do not domineer, but instead, you need to serve. He says, do not demand and dictate and exasperate, but instead, nourish, instruct, and train your children in the Lord. And so as our kids are growing up, and, and to some extent after they're grown, right, when our children are adults, they never stop needing that. They never stop needing that Christ-centered affirmation from their parents, encouraging them in their weakness, telling them how you're proud of them and where you see God at work in their lives. And of course, 
constantly pointing them back to their strong Savior. We need to nourish our kids so they don't wilt under the weight of the world. And that's the point. In all we do, we as parents need to be constantly pointing our kids back to Jesus. And before we turn to the last point, let me just add, I think some of the best opportunities we have here as parents are when we fail. When we recognize those moments that we just haven't done that. And we come back and we tell our kids, hey, I'm sorry. Whether you're doing that for one bad evening when you blew up or maybe a bad decade (laughs) where you haven't been talking. When we take the time to apologize to our kids when we hurt them and then to point out how Jesus is better than we are, man, that's sweet. See, it's one thing to say, you know, honey, I'm sorry I was short with you last night. I'm sorry I was impatient. I shouldn't have done that. But you could also say, you know, I I realize I'm often impatient. And I hate that because Jesus is never impatient with me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I got harsh with you when last night you made me angry. Because God is always gentle with me, even when I make him angry. We can tell our kids that you are deeply loved by him and you're deeply loved by us. So that's that commandment. That's the basics of it right there. Paul says when you're a kid, you need to honor your parents. You need to obey their authority. And he says as parents, you need to restrain your power. Refrain from domineering, but instead nourish and instruct our children, and and build them up in a way that's going to show them the Lord's love. And that brings us to the third point. How the Heavenly Father leads his family. I made this the third point because, well, sermons like this usually end up making me feel bad. (laughs) I, I remember going to a Father's Day sermon at one church and, and the pastor just shared all these great things he does for his kid, all these holy and wonderful uh, ideas that they carry out in their home. And, and I know that he intended to encourage us with that. He was trying to show us the way forward. But in reality, when I left, I felt bad. It was this long list of my shortcomings that I already knew about. And if that's how you're feeling this morning, I just want to remind you here of something that I know is true, something that Scripture tells us is true, both for you kids and for the parents. We will fail at this, but God is far bigger than our failings. It's true. As a parent, your role in your child's life is very important. It's significant. But God is also able to overcome the failings of even the worst parents, right? I mean, some of you, that's your story. Some of you have come to deep, abiding faith despite what this world would call evil parents, despite 
terrible, horrible things happening to you as a kid. God is a lot bigger than our family background. Amen? And I also want to say to you parents, you know, some of you, your kids have grown and you're looking at their lives and, and, and it's a challenge to you. Your kids are outside of the church. Maybe they're in unbelief. And I just want to remind you that God is mysterious in his working. God's mysterious in his timing. And if you have a child that is far from faith right now at this moment, that is not necessarily a sign of your failure to them. And as long as your kid is still here on this earth, it should be your hope in God's covenant promises that he will redeem the life of that child. It should be your prayer that that child will come to know God's love for themselves. It's only the rarest person on earth who can grow all the way up to adulthood without any wounds from their parents. Most of us have them. And when we think about parents, there's no parents who have ever lived that have parented their children perfectly, right? Because every parent is a person, and every person is a sinner. And whether we like it or not, at some point, our sin is going to affect our children. We're going to fail along the way. But the cross is there to teach us that God is able to turn what looks like the most miserable failure into something he can use for his glory, right? And here's another truth. Here's another promise that we have in Scripture. No matter how old you may be, no matter how messed up your childhood may have been, every one of us in this room can know what it's like to be a beloved and cherished and nurtured child. Because we all have the opportunity to be called a beloved child of God. You can be sure of that. The gospel tells you that. It tells you that Jesus Christ, who was the perfect son, took your place and your punishment so that you could be welcomed to the heavenly father's table. And so while we all are going to fail in the ways we honor our parents, we're all going to fail sometimes in the way that we love our kids, we are told over and over again that there is a heavenly father who will never fail us. The prophet Isaiah, God is speaking and he says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And surprisingly, the answer is yes. Yeah, she can forget. But God says, though she may forget, I will never forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. An earthly parent can fail. But no matter how much you've messed up, in Christ, our Heavenly Father guarantees that he will take your messed up life and he will nurture you and he will build you up and train you and instruct you and turn you into something holy. 
The good news is we can never be too old for the parenting of our Heavenly Father. Amen? He never stops caring. He never stops directing. He never stops shaping. He says, Paul says, you can be confident in this, that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Your Heavenly Father is never going to leave you. He's never going to stop nurturing you. And so this morning as we close, let me just end on this. We all stand at very different places in our lives right now. But we all have the same opportunity to respond to this message by asking our Heavenly Father a few simple questions. We can ask Him, Lord, how can I love this week the way that you've loved me? Where might I need to repent? Where might I need to forgive in order to show your love today? And who knows, maybe there's some of you out there in this room today or some of you watching us online and you just simply need to come to your Heavenly Father for the first time and say, Dad, I need your help. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your care and your concern for us. And we thank you that even in a text like this one that is so specific, we are reminded of your purpose on this earth, that you have come to welcome us all into your great family. And I pray, Lord, that we would take these very practical and specific instructions and that you would apply them to our hearts and change the kind of people we are. I want to pray for the families in this church. I want to pray for the young children in this church. Lord, would you walk with us in our failings? And would you help us to redeem our failings for your glory? Would you let us even take our sin as parents and make that an opportunity to show the glory of you as our Savior? Father, I pray that this next generation behind us would be a strong and mighty one in your spirit. And Lord, we pray for the grown children of this church, especially those who are far away. And we ask, God, that you would seek after the lost sheep. We pray, God, that you would heal families that are divided. We pray that you would make us a picture of the family of God. We pray this in Jesus' name.